What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the SoCo Show. This is the co-host, Cody Michael. I'm joined, as always, by the SoCo Seth Ott. Woo! There he is. Uh, we are back for episode number 128. And uh, I don't know how your mental math is, but guys, that's an octaversary. Oh, yeah. And it's our it's our 16th octaversary, Seth. Happy Sweet 16. Holy crap. That's too many. <laughs> When the when the uh, multiplication starts getting difficult, you realize that uh, this podcast has been going on for longer than it probably should have. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 daunting that we've done so many, and that uh, there might be more ahead. So uh, hopefully, this isn't isn't the last one. <laughs> no, I mean we'll see. I mean it is about to be sweeps month, so we got to get our numbers <laughs> up, or the studio is going to give us the axe. <laughs> But, uh, nope, luckily nobody pays us to do this, so nobody can fire us. Um, so, Except ourselves. Yay. Except ourselves. Man, that's deep. The only person that can fire you is yourself. <laughs> I'd buy that shirt. I don't know. I think that's cool. Sounds like a dumb shirt, actually. Anyway. Well, okay. Hey, now. Maybe we just back that up just a little bit. Holy cow. Coming oh, to me all, all vicious. I don't know. <laughs> Anyway, uh, we got a lot of fun stuff that we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, to, tonight for us, I guess. It could be any time for the listeners. Um, we got a fun Mambo number five. We have uh, movie reviews. We're going to talk about the month of January uh, in the box office and uh, at TV Corner that I'm especially interested to talk about. Um, in addition to that, a couple of our newest segments are back from last week. And uh, yeah, a lot of fun stuff in between. Uh, but before we get to any of that stuff, let's hit them with some chic tweets. I call you a punk. In the most sincere way, go fuck yourself. Mm. Mm. I don't know what it was about the quality of your voice on, on that particular reading, but it did sound more sincere than <laughs> it really ever does. I'm glad that's what I was going for. Yeah. I want you to you know, know. People think <laughs> that you should fuck yourself. <laughs> people think that. People think that. The chic tweets are great because of the chic tweets. And that's that's most of the work, right? Most of the work is the tweet. But the dramatic reading of the tweet is really what makes it an unforgettable segment. So, Seth, I just want to applaud you on, on your great voice work with with the character of, of Iron Chic on Twitter. You do a fantastic job. Thanks. I appreciate it. I, I'm going to be uh, accepting my award at the uh, Talkies this year, um, the, the, <laughs> the, the Nationwide Podcast Award, the Worldwide Pos- Podcast Awards. Uh, for the best reader of the Iron Sheik tweets, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's a it's a tough competition. It's a one of one. Uh, there's two shows that do it though: the regular show and the SoCo Sports show. So we don't know which one's gonna win just yet. But I'm I'm I think the original is gonna win personally. I I hope so, man. You deserve it. Um, <clears throat> you you work hard on your craft, and uh, it's about damn time that the talkies recognized you for a role that you've been incredible in for many years already, uh-huh. and. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's about time those fuckwads gave you a statue. So <laughs> they don't give away statues; they actually give away pieces of bubblicious gum. Oh, uh, okay. So well, I guess that's good. Yeah, that some, and five percent off a Casper mattress. <laughs> that too. Yeah, some guy named Todd puts it on in the back of the uh, sleep number warehouse. <laughs> uh, well, shout out to Todd over at the sleep number warehouse for doing his thing, and shout out to the Iron Sheik. 
for uh, doing some of the work on Chic Tweets. I call you a punk. All right, let's shout out the show's sponsors. First of shout all, audibletrial.com slash slash soco. Hit the link in the description, <laughs> and you're going to get 30 days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, gross. Uh, Mathis Designs on <laughs> etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs if you want any stationary or graphic design needs. Page. <laughs> You, you can't force them in. You got to put them in where they're natural. <laughs> I know, I'm missing that. I wanted Lou to do all the all the ads there. Oh, well, he, he'll, he'll do this one. Uh, also, don't forget Mike's Wood. Uh, <laughs> you can find Mike's Wood over on Etsy.com slash shop slash corn fed and wet to get your wood worked. <laughs> there it goes. Uh there's, there you go. That's our uh, impression of an old man with no teeth having an orgasm, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> Good night. Do most comics... I don't know. I've never done standard. Do most comics end their set with a rim shot? Uh, <laughs> I end most of my nights with a rim shot. Oh, no. Um, but, uh, no, I, I tried getting them to put a drummer on my last show, and they said... We're paying you $20 for this show, you idiot. We're not going to get you a drummer. <laughs> and then, then Todd popped out with his Bubblicious. He's like, I'll play your drums for you. Yeah, I was like, oh, Todd, it's going to finally meet you. My friend Seth told me all about you. And uh, yeah, Todd's just kind of everywhere. Yeah. Fucking Todd. Fucking Todd. Um, <laughs> what a stupid thing we just did. Um. Anyway, those are our sponsors. Uh, let's kick it over to our previously recorded selves for one last ad. And I'm down Great. to one last ad. Oh, there you go. That would have been a good one. Um, speaking of Anchor, uh, you can hit the link in the description box. Head, or to, head over to our Anchor page where you can become a contributor. Uh, if you want to contribute monthly to our show like our fantastic contributors already, Mike V, Jared B, and Fuck You... Uh, we appreciate all of you, and if you want to become a contributor yourself, head on over to our Anchor page. If you can't become a contributor, that's okay, too. Just keep clicking on these episodes. Keep sharing them with friends. Every listen helps. Uh, Seth, let's roll on here, and we're going to kick things off. Like I said, like I always say, uh, we, we talk about a lot of news in this show, but we don't have time to cover it all. So for some of it, we got to go about it in a, in a fast manner. Here are the quick hits. I just saw. I was looking to see if we, uh, sorry to, to interrupt this regularly scheduled uh, segment, uh, just looking to see if we had any more uh, donators, just just in case you had to take a vodka shot tonight. And uh, and yes, it would be vodka. But uh, I just saw that we, uh, since we moved over to Anchor, we have now passed 1,000 listens total, so that's pretty cool. Oh, that is excellent. And Go uh, us. Yeah. I'm proud of us. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Thanks, listeners. Yeah, we'll pat our own backs, even though it's probably people just accidentally forgetting to to turn it off, and it just keeps going. We'll take that, too. Yeah. All right. Now we'll get into the quick hits. Throw the punch again. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I just wanted to hear that again. All right. In the world of movies, uh, a more of a sequel protector. National Treasure 3 in the works with Bad Boys for Life Rider. <laughs> 
I, the highlight really of the story is your Nick Cage impression, uh, which shows promise. I will say shows promise. Uh, I like the National Treasure movies. I, I am I am actually interested in this. I think it could be fun. Speaking of Bad Boys for Life, uh, Bad Boys 4 is now in the works after the success at the box office. Word is that both Mike and Marcus will die early in the movie, and it'll be called Bad Boys for Afterlife. <laughs> yeah, that big mistake by naming the third installment Bad Boys for Life, and now they don't get to use the very obvious Bad Boys for <laughs> Life next time around. But I'm sure they'll think of something just as clever. And finally in movies, uh, Taika Waititi and talks for Star Wars movie. Star Wars fans rejoice, while Marvel fans hope that his career isn't ruined by a bunch of neckbeards living in their parents' basement. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. Shout out to the neckbeards out there. <laughs> and in the world of TV, um, you might see a recurring theme here. Uh, NBC is giving free cock. NBC's streaming service Peacock will be free with ads. Wow. That's... Uh, I'm really excited about all the free content, but even better, that was the pinnacle of your comedic career right there. <laughs> free cock. Amazing stuff, Seth. You're on a roll today. Keep it up. Thanks, man. Well, you're like this one. Screech for free cock. <laughs> Saved by the Bell Revival on Peacock Streaming Service. God. <laughs> oh, God. And finally, <laughs> MacGruber is inventing with free cock. Wow. McGreevy, wow. McGruber TV series coming to Peacock service. <laughs> wow. That, uh, oof. That, right into the ground you flew with that one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's technically all the quick hits. Um, so do that real quick. But uh, I didn't really have any joke for this one because uh, I respect this too much. But Better Call Saul was renewed for a sixth and final season. So uh, they'll have this season coming up in a month or so. The new season comes out. Uh, Hank, they also announced, will be back in this season, on season five. So we'll get get a couple episodes with Hank. And then season six will finish out Better Call Saul. Nice. Well, that's sometimes you got to do a little hanky-panky to get you to the finish line. I, okay. I understand that. Okay. Jeez, you're giving me shit about <laughs> fucking the free cock jokes and you make a hanky-panky joke. Uh, I don't know when's the last time you heard a hanky-panky joke, but for me, it's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason for that. Because a lot of other comics don't dare go there anymore, and I'm one of the few that's willing to uh, to go to that, that place, and uh, someone's got to do it. I don't think they do. Yep. <laughs> and that's the quick hits. <laughs> oh, man. Um, we are going to keep the yucks coming with one of our newest segments. Uh, we're going to do our second straight edition of laughable punishment. Ha! Got ha! All right, Seth, this is the brand new segment where you have gone out and found a wacky crime that has been committed somewhere in the world. And our job is, go- is to be the people who sentence this criminal. And we need to, dish out some swift justice right here. So who is who is the, who is the subject of this week's laughable punishment? This one uh, is from a few months ago, so I don't know if there's been a verdict in this case yet or not, but I'll go ahead and read it. So the headline is, Cops Searching for Man Licking Bluebell Ice Cream in Viral Video. Uh, so police issued a warrant... Rested, blah, blah, police issued 
an arrest warrant, that's hard to say, for a man in southwest Texas who was seen on a viral video opening a container of Blue Bell ice cream in a Walmart and licking the contents before returning it to the freezer. Uh, the arrest ra- warrant was issued for 24-year-old to Adrian Anderson, who authorities say posted social media video of himself licking ice cream. Um, this was in Walmart, blah, blah, blah. They, uh, the store is forced to dump its Bluebell ice cream at considerable cost. Uh, up to $4,000 fine that, they're, that they were going to potentially give him due to this, as well as uh, up to a year in jail. So his pe- his his crime was licking ice cream, opening up ice cream, licking it, and putting it back on the shelf. the the fine the uh, punishment that they want to give him is a four thousand dollar fine and a year in jail or up to a year, year in jail. We think that we can give him a better cri- uh, better punishment for this crime. What do you think we should do? I can tell you immediately what we should do. <laughs> We're going to get The Undertaker to show up at this motherfucker's house <laughs> and choke slam him straight to hell because this guy does not deserve to breathe the same air as the rest <laughs> of us. This is the most fucked up thing I've ever heard of in my life. And there's one man and one man only, the phenom, that we need to get a hold of. We get him in, and like I said, he's going to send this motherfucker straight through the bottom of the re- of the wrestling ring, and this guy's never going to be heard of again because that's what he deserves for licking ice cream. This is the worst thing. I've ever heard of anybody doing ever in my life. God damn it. Sorry, I get so fired up. Uh, you can't just lick ice cream and put it back. It ruins it for everybody. And they had to waste all that ice cream? Get him get him out of here. I don't even uh don't even don't even glorify this son of a bitch by telling me his name. I don't like it. The Adrian Anderson. I'll pay handsomely. Wherever you're at, uh wherever you're at, Undertaker, I need you out of retirement for one more match, and I need you to put an end to this motherfucker. That's what I say. But what, I'm open what? to any other ideas you have too, but I think we need to be severe because this is heinous. I mean, it, it is bad, but like, what what if though? I mean, that's pretty severe punishment because you want to murder him through means of professional wrestler. <laughs> Absolutely, um. I fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> but what what if like he just didn't have any money to afford ice cream? What if, what if he was hungry? What if he just wanted some ice cream? I love ice cream. I if I didn't have the means to buy it, what I would totally just lick it off the shelf. It's not like he just stole one like tub of ice cream that i understand i think i think if he didn't have the means to acquire ice cream we should be given out for free just to keep people happy right but that's, that's what not did. what he did he no he was not licking for sustenance because he looked he licked all of them he could have stolen one of them and had more ice cream than he ended up having this was a hate crime seth he did this to leave a mark and to upset people and he has done that holy shit well the woman from uh woman or man from Walmart says this guy loves publicity even if it's for the wrong reason that can lead to bigger and worse things if we're going to save this guy we have to do it with this case or he's over the hill so basically she this person said that um if he continues to do this he kind of like the the well I don't want to spoil anything um <laughs> kind of like you see with with serial 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 killers serial killers he was an ice cream killer what you usually yeah, see with, fuck this guy. Uh, with ice cream killers is that it starts with a simple case of licking ice cream and then it goes straight to, to weird murder videos. So mm-hmm. I th- I think that this guy, you know what? He, sh- he should be rehabilitated. They should get him help. So no fines, no death by Undertaker. I, th- I, think, I think that they should send him to a special place where 
uh, people who love ice cream can come together and talk about it and discuss it. And he can see the importance of how ice, what ice cream means to people because he clearly doesn't respect ice cream. So he has to spend some time in, in the ice cream rehabilitation center and he can see that ice cream doesn't mean isn't just an, a delicious dessert, but it's a way of life, a way of happiness, and and really, it's it's probably the next thing to to godliness. Listen here, you liberal snowflake. Uh, we're not going to go easy on this motherfucker. <laughs> all right, this guy is an absolute monster and deserves to be dealt with as such. I say we devote all of the money that we have in the law enforcement system to bring back to life the Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> I am the queen, and he's going to deal with this asshole himself. It's a handicap match: the Macho Man and the Undertaker against this son of a bitch, this ice cream bandit who's fucking up everybody else's cream. Uh, there's no rehabilitation for a monster like this, Seth. He needs to be put down like a dog in the streets okay i will not have this shit not in my america cody michael tough on ice cream criminals (laughs) all right you convinced me (laughs) (laughs) all right good Good. I'm glad. Well, you I'm know, glad I, it took us I'm I'm glad it took us only 2 weeks to get to just kill the motherfucker. <laughs> I mean, well, you did it by not only, you know, putting in there one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, but then you reincarnated another wrestler. So, if you're bringing back people like Macho Man Randy Savage uh to to come kill some people, I I'm going to have to immediately agree to it. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And you know what? When when the Macho Man and the Undertaker are going to town on this guy, all he's going to be able to say is, oh, Mommy. And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has got me all fired up. I was in a good mood until you brought this shit to my attention, so. Oh, man. God damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you fucking should be. And you know who else should be? That, that ice cream bandit, whatever, that tongue guy. Uh, tell him to keep his tongue to himself. They should remove his tongue. If they're going to keep him alive, at the very least, they need to get rid of his tongue. He's licked his last ice cream. I promise you that. That tongue guy. <laughs> that tongue guy was something I was referred to a long time ago. Okay, here we go. Uh, we're going to move on. What? Uh, but I used to that's put, true. Used to put stuff, weird so. things on my tongue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Wink, wink. Nice. Yeah, very weird things. I got tr- um, I, I got in trouble once, and I I had to uh, I had to go apologize to my mother. So I said, "Oh, mommy." There you go. <laughs> That's so gross. I we're we're moving on. That that was that was laughable punishment for a while at least. <laughs> got <he. laughs> All right, good. Another criminal behind bars. Uh, guys, no, if you see a murdered. wacky... Well, he got... Justice was served, I guess, is what, what I'm saying. Uh, if you see a wacky criminal out there that you want dealt with by the SoCo team, uh, send him our way. Send him to Seth's Twitter at uh, Seth O'Ott or at SoCo Show Pod. Uh, help us find these criminals so we can bring them to justice. Uh, speaking of some criminals that got uh, brought to justice, that's actually a really good segue into this week's edition of the TV Corner. All right, Seth, the TV corner returns, and this week it looks like a Netflix documentary series that I know has been getting a lot of talk lately. Yeah, don't fuck with cats. I watched it again. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, no, this one is, is definitely one that I saw the trailer for actually after um, 
Don't Fuck With Cats. And uh, I was interested in this one, uh, obviously, because this is one that I knew the story of going into it, or at least a, a good part of it. Uh, so it's the Aaron Hernandez doc. Uh, what did I say it was? Killer Inside? Killer Inside. Nice. Nailed it. Um, so this one, obviously, is, is just about kind of everything that revolved i mean it was if you're you know if you're alive and uh or not alive but if you remember old enough to remember if you're a sports fan um 2012 uh around that time 2012 2013 i believe um you'll know all about this uh aaron hernandez at least you'll know kind of the the basic story that you know he killed someone uh kind of execution style killed them and it was a real big story because he lived in Connecticut, not a bad neighborhood, all this stuff. And, and, you know, this guy just kind of just out of nowhere killed someone. And while he was playing football, <laughs> this stuff happened. So it's crazy. It's, it's, a, it's a crazy story. And the, the documentary, the, the reason I like this, this one is because it really just sticks to, I mean, we, we know, everyone knows, I mean, that you start off with the whole thing, you know, that, you know, he did this, but, um, you know, he killed that guy, but why, why it was kind of the, the whole documentary was kind of like, why, why did this happen? And, you know, they, they go deep into his mind, his past, um, the different, uh, things that happened to him when he was a kid, uh, different things that we found out later while he was in jail, um, things you find out from different teammates and things like that. So they, they go all over the place, uh, with where, they're getting their information from. Um, definitely not. This isn't a documentary to be like, again, prove it or not prove it, or really to even tell the story of how everything happened in terms of like, you know, this night he went out to this place. Like they do recap that a little bit, but really it's more about Aaron Hernandez and, and what's going inside of his head. So um, I don't think they necessarily, I don't think it leans towards being like, you should feel bad for this guy because a lot of, you know, bad stuff does happen. Um, but they do play both the side of, you know, that it's guy, this guy made, you know, made these choices and, uh, it's real fucked up what he did, but they also do play on the side of like, okay, here's what happened to him. And I think it's really an ex- exploration of like kind of, you know, mental, mental health and a little bit of an exploration on like the foot, how football affects it, all that stuff. So it's very interesting. And I think it was nice that it took a different approach than just trying to be like, you know, here's how point A got to point B. They, they really like dove into everything and and focused way more on on the psychological aspect so that was that was good um i don't really have a, a ton of negatives with this one i think um you know if, if you if you're a fan of football at all or remember that time i think you'll be very inter- interested in it though it doesn't really drive uh a lot of like like something like that don't fuck with cats there was a lot of um even if you're like i think anyone could it's really fucked up but anyone could could kind of watch into that and get hooked in right away this one i don't think necessarily has that like outside people who who weren't aware of the situation would be necessarily hooked in by it i don't think um and some people may be put off by uh the nature of like it does kind of reveal some you know the the some of the things almost sympathies like they even kind of talk about that like you know do you feel sympathy sympathy for him or not and and some people kind of give their opinions on that so it does reveal some things that would make you kind of feel sympathetic but again i don't think it leans one way or another here so i I do like that but i think other people might not like that it's being sympathetic towards him sometimes so 
I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I think it was good. Um, not like, again, not super gripping like the Don't Fuck With Cats one was, but definitely interesting. And, and uh, you know, for anyone who's interested in like how, you know, the mind and, and diving deep into the, the decisions and all that stuff, I think you'll you'll enjoy it. Fran, fans of true crime stuff will also enjoy this a lot, I think. Yeah, it's, it's it, like you said, it's an interesting question just how how much sympathy we should feel for, for not only Hernandez, but in all cases, you know, if there's a level of, of mental instability that goes along with some of these crimes, uh, it's, it's at the very least a very interesting conversation to wonder, like, you know, how much that stuff factors in, you know, how much people should be at fault and all that stuff. Uh, certainly a wild conversation. This is, this sounds like a pretty cool exploration of it. And I remember that being such a high profile thing. So like, do you, do you remember, uh, you know, watching the coverage of that stuff as it was happening mm-hmm. in the in the real world, and so did you learn a lot of new uh, while watching this, or was your memory pretty complete from that time? I remember, and and they kind of talk about it in the in the documentary, but I remember the first trial pretty well. The just the one guy uh-huh. that happened. There was a second trial that happened actually before the stuff that he is accused of happened before the stuff with the other guy. The other, the first guy, the one that everyone knows, kind of that happened. That's guy, that guy was that guy's name is Odin, um, and that was pretty definitive from the start. Like, yeah, that that was him. The other one, the the trial that happened, the the shooting that happened in 2012, I think that's so that that was the one that had some question marks around it. And that's that that's the one that kind of happened around the time he was still playing and stuff like that too. So, um, mm. but yeah, that that's the one that not a lot of people remember, and it kind of the coverage went way down because he's already convicted once. So he's not getting out of jail. People didn't really care, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a lot of stuff I learned with that one. So that, that one, they do go pretty deep into like the, did this happen or did it not type of thing. And they, they actually go into the trial quite a bit of that. The one with the actual, you know, everyone knows that, that one, they don't really go into the trial as much because I think they're under the assumption of like, everyone kind of knows this mm-hmm. in a way, mm-hmm. but they do have a ton of like, um, audio from his phone calls um, and he talked like to his fiance, his mom, and it dives a lot into like the relationship with his mom and his dad and, and different players and teammates. And, um, they don't go so much into like the Patriot stuff, but they do like college. They talk a lot about college when he went to Florida. Um, they have some footage of like urban Meyer and his wife talking and stuff like that. And so they really kind of just talk about him as a person more than anything else, which I think is interesting. Hmm. Yeah, certainly like. I don't know. Anytime you can get a good profile of someone who does shit like this, it's it's at the very least interesting. It's often fucking scary, but mm-hmm. um, certainly if this is uh, if if true crime is what you're into and you want to hear this story, it sounds like a pretty good delivery of it. Uh, did you give it a score? No, I, I think that, and that's one thing. Um, so we had talked we had talked off off air uh, about it, but I'm gonna be doing less TV corners and stuff. I think this this the, the for a while at least, uh, just because. There's so much shit out there to watch, and I know I can't keep up with all of it, and it gets it gets annoying keeping up with all of it. <laughs> so, um, and I just kind of am tired of watching stuff I don't want to watch. So I'd rather watch stuff I want to watch or not feel like guilty about not watching certain shows. So uh, the TV corner will kind of be just as I watch stuff or you watch stuff, um, you know, and just kind of talking about it instead of giving it, you know kind of like i do with movies just kind of talk about it in general and, and not really give a score or anything so it'll be around every once in a while but not definitely not as many tv corners uh nothing like one every week or anything like that like it used to be yeah so. 
Yeah, certainly a tough pace to maintain, and I'm all for it. I say, you know, I'm I don't I'm the same way with my movies. Like there are certain things that I I would never watch other than to do a review. So I'm I'm glad that you'll have more free time to watch more movies from your We Miss the Boat list because I have quite a few for you to catch up. <laughs> <on>. uh, <laughs> so that'll be good. So uh, fewer fewer TV corners to come, but they will always be good and welcome uh, when they are present. So uh, that's it for Aaron. Uh, sorry, ki- the killer inside the mind of Aaron Hernandez was the subject of this week's TV corner. Television. All righty, let's make a switch from TV into movies, and uh, we're just going to have a a little bit of a general conversation about uh, this particular month uh, in the box office. Let's jump into movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. So, Seth, we've talked in the past about just sort of the calendar of the movie year, right? We know what the summer blockbuster season is. We know, well, you know, when horror movies come out around uh, Halloween. We know that the Oscar movies come out after Thanksgiving, typically. And and one of the things that, that has, has continued to stay clear is that January continues to be just a trash dump. <laughs> and... You know, I think there are other months, like in years past, you could have said the same about February or March, but those months have really given us some big surprises and some really great stuff these last few years. So it seems like more really good movies are seeping into those months. September and August uh, are are other months that weren't always really good (laughs) movies, but we've seen some really good ones lately. Uh, But January continues to be a month specifically to watch shit movies and it appears that that's the case again this year. There's just not not a lot of high quality stuff coming out this month. And you know, what what what's your take on on January and why it might be that trash dump that it seems to be? Well, I will say, I mean, we'll review it in a little bit. But I thought I had fun with the Bad Boys. Um, oh yeah. I I wouldn't be mad if like more movies like that. Like the, if January became like, all right, you've seen all the the fucking you know Oscar art house stuff. Just come in, watch some stuff explode for a while. That you know that'd be that'd be great if January just became that. Um, mm-hmm. That'd be like a nice kind of pl- palate cleanser going into the next year. Um, but most of the time we get stuff like uh, Doolittle, <laughs> where it's just they a movie that uh, that the studios put a lot of a lot of money into that they're hoping to just to get a little bit of return on it because um, because they don't they don't really believe in it and so they they just hope to, that you know that there won't be. That that people there won't be anything else in the theater for people to come to. That's my personal thought about it. Is like it's it's just because there's nothing else coming out. You've ever, all the Oscar stuff has come out. Maybe some of that'll straggle over for you know Middle America type thing. Um, but there's nothing else coming out. We've gone off the holiday. There's nothing going on. You know there you know you're more more likely to be stuck inside uh, during this time. So this is this is what we have to give them. This is where all crap's going. Because this is all they have. This is the only choice they can make. That that's my thought on it. Uh, I just don't get why studios don't make better movies. Like try to make better movies. And I I guess that's all. I know that's all subjective. But you know, if you know we have a crappy movie coming out, why not try to fix it? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, like you said, you know, it, it's it's a money decision, right? How much. How much do, for every dollar that we spend to try to improve the money, how much of that do we actually think we're going to get back? And I think what you see for these movies that just get left to die in a month like January, Doolittle being a prime example. Did you actually see Doolittle? I did not. I did not, but I read 
I read how it ends, and I, I definitely will not be. I would be shocked if I would have seen it in the theater, but I, I, I am not going to go to it. Yeah, I was. Uh, I had planned on seeing it, and then heard the review from at Jared Buckendall, and he said it was one of the dumbest shits he's ever seen in his life, and that's like the most common review I've seen. So I decided I'm like, fuck, I'm not going to go watch that and spend two hours doing that. So I skipped mm-hmm. it. But a movie like that, I think exactly it. It is, you know, they decided at a certain point. We don't have much to work with here. Our ceiling is not high on this movie. So it makes more sense for them to just bite the bullet, squeeze a few dollars out of it, and kick it in the can. And for Disney, you know, they can get away with a few of these big swings and misses. But Because um, you're right, you, you want your movie to make it to theaters, and but uh, what we're seeing is you don't want to put them up against some better stuff, which appears to be happening in every other month of the year. And so you just kind of drop it in January and hope you get lucky. I'm wondering, what do you think of this, Seth? Do you think that the the positioning of the Oscars has something to do with that? Because we're all rewatching the Oscar movies and the buzz is around award season and things like that. Do you think that has a, has the effect of kind of overshadowing some of the releases we see in January? Uh, I see. I, I don't know because like something like uh, 1917 going to going to that last last week. You know, it was the the, the first week in or two weeks ago, basically it was the first week in, 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 uh, January theaters are packed for that because it was a good movie. You know, mm-hmm. it was being reviewed really well. Um, I think the same thing with like bad boys, um, bad boys. They, I think they put it in January because they didn't expect it to make money. And all of a sudden people are going to it cause the reviews are good. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that and it might even be, you know, because obviously the, you know, studios aren't going to put their great movies out in January because then it lowers their, and I think that's, yeah, that's probably something to do with it as well is like, you know, uh, A24 is not putting out a, you know, their next Oscar bait movie, but with um, coming out in January, you know, because they're still, then you have to wait a whole nother year basically. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to do it like that. That's why all these, you know, quote unquote good movies come out in October, November, December. Um and you often you you rarely see like a once upon a time in Hollywood, you know, something that came out in July actually get nominated. But um, so I think that's part of it as well. But I think honestly, if you just make a movie that is good, <laughs> people are going to cut. Like I hope we start to see more of like like I said, Bad Boys, um, something fun, something people can can get into. And and if it's being reviewed, like I think something that's been proven more and more lately is is that there really is a lot of power behind. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes and critics right now because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Doolittle is a movie that if it was reviewed well I think would make crazy money because yep. you got Robert Downey Jr. you have all you have animals you have you know t- talking animals you have um, you know CG you know I don't know if it was good CGI but um, <laughs> you know you ha- yeah it's a it's a CGI fun movie like that could be that movie could be a lot of fun and I think people and again coming off Iron Man you have RDJ I think. That can make a lot of money because people love Sherlock Holmes. That's a, that's another mm-hmm. franchise of his. It's not, you know, his name alone isn't going to bring, uh, you know, a ton of money to it to a movie. But if it's his name plus it's a good movie, then I think people are coming to it. So, um, I think it, it, that that's really what it comes down to. Like there there's there's an open spot for good movies to come out in. So if you can if you're not going to go for an Oscar release you know if your movie is good but not good enough to go for an oscar maybe release it in january if, if there's these good movies start coming out you're you're gonna you potentially have an opportunity to to have a lot more money come in for that because there's a just a, a fucking desert 
of of good movies in, in January. It's it's so hard to find them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is what we've seen. I think the the earliest I can remember specifically noticing this uh, was a February uh, of maybe two years ago. It might have been seventeen or eighteen. The February that had. Um, or maybe it was a February into a March, but like Annihilation came out and then like Game Night and maybe Black Panther, that might've been that year. There was a string of really great movies in the like later part of February, early part of March. And the box office was huge for those couple months. So it's like, you're right. People are going to go because the average person doesn't care when a movie comes out in the year. That doesn't come with level of expectation for most people. So as long as a movie is good and is reviewed well, people will go anytime. And you're Mm -hmm. right. If you can stick something good out amongst a whole bunch of other crap, that's even more of a benefit. Then you have the box office to yourself that weekend. So... Yeah, I, I think that's what you're seeing partially with Bad Boys. I think that's what they were trying to get at with Doolittle. But, you know, it just hasn't worked out. But every year for the last handful of years, we've seen some really great big surprises come out in that not so much January, but February and March. And that's changed how we perceive those months now. Now we mm-hmm. expect good shit to come out then. Yep. And so January seems like the last bastion of like the <laughs> Island of Misfit films. And maybe it'll always be that way. I don't know. I mean, it'll probably be that way for a while, at least, just because of, um, you know, that's what studios are used to, you know, January being a a dumping ground. But, yeah, it's, like you said, and I hadn't even thought about it too deeply there. But, yeah, I mean, February and March are, you know, April. Like, there's really not, like, a, I guess probably, like, August usually is that. Like, in the summer, it's usually August. That kind of sucks. August, you know, late August into September. Kind of once the summer gets over and then we get in more into Halloween that time. Um, there's there's a little bit of a lull there, but it's only like a you know it's it's only like a few weeks really. Um, you know it's not even like the full month. Um, and then you know January again tends to be like the whole month. So in the scope of things, it's like okay, it's two you know basically two months out of the year we're not great, getting great stuff, um, or at least we're not planning for great stuff. You know we're getting a lot of good stuff the other time, but you know it's also a year it's kind of a yearly cycle because a lot of people love 2019 but look back on 2018 and said it sucked. You know, is is it, you know, it's kind of one of those things of like, maybe it just depends on the type of movies we're getting. Maybe, you know, because the quality of movies kind of tends to go up and down just based off of, you know, the the trends in, in the, uh, with like the box office and stuff. And, and there's people way smarter than us, you know, making these decisions, mm-hmm. I bet. But, yep, um, yep. It, you know, at the same time, it's like, you got to kind of look at the just basic consumer too. Because for me, I, you know, I look at Rotten Tomatoes all the time. I look at, you know, movies that... I go seek out movies that are that are you know like that, but the average person is is not you know they'll, a lot of times they'll just be like maybe they'll go to Rotten Tomatoes and type in a movie and that that is going to be at their local movie or something like that. But others like they'll they'll ask people be like oh how, what, did you like it? And if a, if a movie is generally you know a good movie, most people will say they'll like it and they'll go. You know that's I think how still how a lot of people go to movies. So oh. um, so I think that. Just having a good movie, like kind of going back to that point, having a good movie in January, people are going to go to it. And I think that's apparent with Bad Boys with how much movie this made compared to the last one. So, yep, yep. I think the one of the nice things about you know this stretch is I love going into a movie expecting trash and then getting a nice surprise, right? Yep. Like some of the some of the horror movies that are coming out in this part of the year are terrible, but like 
because there's not a lot of other competition, I'm more likely to go to one of those movies that my preconception is that they're going to stink. And then if, if there's any shred of goodness, I'm so happy uh, in those situations. Like last year, Escape Room was a really early one in the year. And I, it was, it was, it was, I, I enjoyed it, you know, um, but I had so little expectations that it was such a rewarding experience <laughs> at the theater. And this January especially is all that. It's like nothing with any level of expectations uh, and so anything that is even mildly entertaining in January feels like a big win, which right. I guess that's pretty fun. That's that's the kind of shit I like. So that that's that's nice for me. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking that, too, is like movies don't even have to try that hard. Like, yeah, <laughs> like Bad Boys basically just is like um, we'll be a movie from 1999, um, update what it looks like and be a little less offensive. And like, and then they're like, here you go. And we're like, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If the, if it came out in the middle of the summer, we'd be shitting on it this week. But yeah. like, we're both gonna have positive reviews. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it though. I love I I love the garbage dump. I will say because I want to go. I want to go see the movies that everyone hates. Not maybe necessarily to Doolittle's extent, but like there's a couple other mediocre ones coming out that I'm excited to see. Maybe it'll surprise me, or maybe I'll hate it. I don't know. But uh, long long live the island of misfit films. I I, I support it. Um, but like you said, it's only a matter of time before Disney realizes there's more weeks they're not using <laughs> and uh, starts giving, starts giving us more Marvel movies in January or something like that. But I'm all for it. Yep. A good movie every week of the year. That should be the goal. That should be the goal. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, great stuff there in movies. Let us know guys. What, uh, what do you think of January? Do you love going to all the crap or do you just wait, sit on your hands and wait for February and just watch the Oscar movies? Uh, what are some of your favorite January releases that you've seen? Probably some pleasant surprises there. Let us know on Facebook and on Twitter at Soko Show Pod. Let us know what you think. Alrighty, we're going to keep it in movies, and we're going to do a little listy list here. So let's jump into our Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. All right, Seth. So one of the presumed Dookie films of January 20, uh, 2020 is going to be releasing this coming weekend. It's The Gentleman, which is Guy Ritchie's new movie. Pretty star-studded. It's actually and, got good uh, reviews. The re- if the reviews are good, I'm I'm interested. I am excited to see this. Um, could be could be interesting. I like Guy Ritchie's style. Um, anyway, that movie releasing this weekend, starring amongst others Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And we uh, we you and I are big McConaughey fans, and so that's that's inspired this week's list. Yeah, it's at 76% of Rotten Tomatoes with 54 reviews, so I think it must have screened at a festival or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Here's hoping it's a good one. We'll see. Uh, our list today will not include The Gentleman because it's not out yet, but we are going to be counting down our top five favorite Matthew McConaughey movies. This one's going to be fun. He's in a lot of good stuff. I'm excited for this. Number five. Uh, I don't think this one actually will be kicked because I don't think you saw this movie. Um, I had uh, White Boy Rick. I didn't. No, I didn't see that one. So I didn't particularly love this movie, but um, I don't know why it's on my list. No, I'm kidding. Um, he, I did like him in this though. McConaughey is is good. He's uh, plays the father of Rick, and uh, <laughs> and uh, their relationship is kind of uh, at least what I remember a big, um, a big big part of the plot and kind of the why the, why Rick make these decisions. So. Um, yeah, I, I did like him though. He he played kind of a you know he plays a good, crappy dad, um, but their their relationship is good and and he's a big part of it. He he does a re- this is one of his that he he does have a good performance that didn't get a lot of recognition at the time because the movie was just okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I did not see that one. Um, my number five is one that I don't think you've seen. I have Contact at five. I have not seen that one. Yeah, so this is McConaughey opposite Jodie Foster based on the book by Carl Sagan, which this is an incredible book. It's one of my favorite books. Uh, and the movie does it justice. It's one of the few that does. They open the movie with this insane camera trick um, with a mirror that I know we've talked about on the show at some point. Yep. Um, but it's this crazy cool shot to open the film. And it's a really heady sci-fi movie, extraterrestrial influence. You know, what's our place in the universe? McConaughey plays a... a, a preach a preacher of some sort in this so there's religion and science uh, very interesting thought-provoking smart movie uh, that i would highly recommend and he's good in it too he's not the main character jodie foster is but he's an important one did, did you say he's in it too um well yeah <laughs> because that's I, i'm, I'm I guess pretty that sure goes without saying <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's the whole point of this <laughs> Okay, fair. He is, in fact, in it. Uh, I, I looked it up. <laughs> well, well, good. Now your list is still valid. <laughs> number four. Uh, number four, I had The Lincoln Lawyer. I didn't see this one either. You didn't see it? That one I might actually add to your, to your list, potentially. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember a lot about this movie. Um, I do remember liking it, but this is one for me that I do know that um, I think this was early on in the McConaissance, if I remember. Um, kind of like when he was starting to come back, and I just remember, I do remember his very just. I don't I remember him him leading it pretty well. I don't remember a ton about the movie though, but I remember his character and liking his character a lot. Um, I, I, although I think he has some shitty tendencies too. Fuck, I don't remember a lot about this movie. I just I just <laughs> remember I have I have it at four because I remember liking the movie more than I liked. Um, white boy rick so uh, maybe i need to revisit that one too <laughs> well geez this is uh, so far the, maybe the best mamba number five we've ever done uh certainly top five this is going fantastically um let's see if i can let's see if i can get us back on our feet here my number four i know you have not seen is sing which is a delightful little animated movie uh where a bunch of animals have a singing competition and McConaughey's character is sort of he's like the business koala that puts it all on and he's charming in it of course as always but there's a, there's a are you laughing because I just rolled casually over business koala 100 percent oh the business koala that, that's good um, uh, that's gonna be worked into the title somehow <laughs> the business koala <laughs> There's, there's other types. Of, there's other types of koalas, huh? There's like yeah, fucking. There's, there's fucking ca- cashier koala. Ah, <laughs> uh, Disney's koalas coming 2022. Um, koalas. No, sing was sing was delightful. Uh, packed cast with all these great covers of classic songs. Uh, this was pri- this was a part of why Taron Edgerton ended up getting the role of Elton John because he has a very good cover. Uh, I think of I'm still standing in this uh where he's a he's a gorilla character and has an interesting plot line just a really adorable really cute it's got more heart than you would expect uh but just a really fun movie i i watched this with like my co- my kid cousins uh but i never intended to watch it and when i did though i was like fuck this is actually pretty sweet pretty sweet so uh, sing is a nice one if you're looking for a good animated movie you haven't seen yet 
Yeah, I was just looking to see if I could pull anything. I haven't seen Sing, but I was looking to see if I could pull anything of a, up about the Lincoln Lawyer, and I just don't fucking... Apparently, I don't remember that. I don't remember that movie at all. You've, it's number four on your list, but you never saw it. <laughs> I one hundred percent saw it. I, I watched it. Yeah, it's a good movie. Uh, has good reviews. Um, that might go on your list, and I might have to rewatch it again too. But um, yeah, he represents. He lives out of the back of his car. Remember that part. So he's kind of got like. I do. I'm starting. Is his to, car a Lincoln? Yeah, um, I'm starting to. I'm starting to remember this. Um, he uh he he defends wealthy people I think, yeah. Anyway, sorry this is not entertaining at all. I'm reading the plot, but yes, I, I will defend that. I did like I remember I do remember liking that movie, and uh, he he does a good job as his character. Boom, there we go. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Number three, um, I have the Wolf of Wall Street here. Is that a king? I'm gonna kick you. Yeah. I'm gonna kick you. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I've, I've got that. Let me kick you. Um, geez, we're on a roll. This is the highest brow, the highest brow podcast you're gonna get. Uh, shout out to us on our on our anniversary for continuing to bring you today. the most well thought out and best spoken podcast on the internet today. The Soko Show continues with my number three, which is Tropic Thunder. I'm surprised to hear you don't have Tropic Thunder. I, 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 because when I put it when I put it at number three, I was like, "That's too low for Tropic Thunder." That movie's incredible, and I, so I was hoping you'd have it higher. I, uh, I was waiting for you to go. I said Tropic Thunder. <laughs> so that's your cue. <laughs> Tropic Thunder. I just got done talking to Jared a little bit ago about how Tropic Thunder is one of the best horror or one of the best comedy horror movies. movies. Yeah. One of the best comedies to come out during my lifetime. I think that um, what Tropic Thunder does is everything that you're not supposed to be able to get away with in comedy, Tropic Thunder gets away with. They use blackface. They use slurs. They use, uh, they use like homophobic slurs. They use some language that's not great for people with mental uh, disabilities. There's, Everything you can think of that, like, you shouldn't be able to get away with in comedy, and they get away with it, and it's hilarious. And it's just very ballsy writing that was well executed and still makes me laugh to this day. It's one of my one of my favorite comedies ever. Um, I, I agree with you on all that, 100%, but I just don't particularly remember him in it. So I, I don't think he was a big part of it. No, 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 no. He's he's not. It, it, you wouldn't think of it as a Matthew McConaughey movie, but he is hilarious right. in it. He's Ben okay. Stiller's agent and has some right. great scenes playing opposite uh, opposite Tom Cruise. Uh, but you're right. He's not. He's nowhere near the main star. So it, that was that was a stretch on my part. <laughs> um, but I did hear because RDJ was doing some press for uh, Doolittle, and he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, and they were talking about Tropic Thunder, and. Uh, you know, kind of going over some of those points where he was, you know, him talk where where RDJ was, you know, he did blackface in that movie, and and you know, kind of talking about uh, his decisions about doing it and talking about, um, you know, what what certain friends thought of him doing it and and like his white friends versus black friends and stuff like that and and like how they all took it and um, but just like how, um, you know, you know, he he talked about it being. Because it's the, the the reason he did that was was a statement. It wasn't really you know it was it was funny like the way it was done, but it was a statement that he did that like that 
because pe- people were talking about like it's bla- it's bad that he did blackface, but he he was talking about like no, I, th- this is why people shouldn't do blackface, <laughs> you know, and, mm-hmm. and like that that whole role is about you know it, it's it's kind of pointing a finger at the people who think it's okay to to recast uh, roles like different race roles with someone who's white just because they're white type of thing, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, interesting, very interesting that whole and and apparently he does the commentary as that. So the DVD commentary. Oh my god! He, he does the he does the commentary as that character, as the the blackface guy and and like the actor in that. Um, but then in in an Austral at the end he breaks into an Australian accent, to, which is the original actor. Like it's it's weird. Like, but they they were all super into that movie and loved it. Oh yeah, dude. That's ah, uh, it's it's brilliant comedy. It really fucking is. There's so much great stuff in there. All right, number two. Number two. I don't know if you ever saw this one. I have Mud here. I, You know, Mud is one that I thought of. I had already made my list, and I was like, oh, what about Mud? And I think it would have just barely missed. I think it'd be an honorable mention for me, but a really, really nice movie. Okay, I was going to say, I don't know if you saw that one or not. But, yeah, um, this one, I just looked up the rate, the, rank, the, the Rotten Tomatoes and that. It's 97%. People love that movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, so this one I do remember a little bit more clearly. He, he's... Uh, basically lives alone on an island and uh he's running away from some some bad peeps and these two kids come upon him and it's ty sheridan it's one of them yeah one of uh, his earliest roles yeah but yeah so it's it's uh it, it's like you said a fun little movie but also got has a lot of uh heart to it has uh you know the the like any movies, like it's kind of reminds me of almost like uh, in, in just a little bit of a way, like uh, Peanut Butter Falcon, where it's like yeah, totally, um, he, like mud is like the is like Shia LaBeouf type thing, but yeah, um, you know, I, I th- those stories are always like really heartwarming and and easy to connect to, and I, um, the the way he played mud, I thought was just it it was a really interesting role because he has to because he's obviously being like searched out and and um like there's a bounty on him and stuff like that but he's also real like sweet and kind to the kids and stuff too so um yeah it's 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 a good movie i dig it yeah that one's a nice sweet one peanut butter falcon is a perfect perfect like companion piece to it it reminds me a lot of that for sure my number two i i i'm i'm an i think my number two is going to be a can kick um, does your number one happen to be a little movie by Christopher Nolan? It is. Okay, so we'll kick mine to your number one. Number one. So yeah, number one, I have Interstellar. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that movie is. Ugh. Marf. You, 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 you go ahead and blow it this time, and I'll blow it next time it comes up. Well, I mean, you, I don't, I don't fillet thing, fillet things as well as you. So. Um, well, you don't commit. <laughs> You got the tongue for it, Seth. You just need to have the emotion behind it. <laughs> got to have the lips of the argument. Oh, wow. Oh, that's, that's nasty. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Blowjob humor. We're getting better every day, guys. Hell Thank yeah. Thank you very much. Wow. We will accept our potty now. Uh, Bye. We're very proud of our work. Holy cow. Great stuff. <laughs> um, But no, I mean, the movie, that movie rests like on the back of, of his relationship with, with his daughter. And this is like the most I think I've ever felt for for one of his characters before. Like, just mm-hmm. the the some of the, like the pain he shows on his eyes and and uh, through through his uh, acting here with with like him and his daughter and and 
just i mean it's, it's an incredible movie every time like we've talked about a few times like it was just on in a hotel room in Vegas, and we've, like, fucking watched the whole thing because <laughs> it was so – it's such a good movie, and it just kind of sucks you in. So, um, yeah, definitely easily the, the most the most I've cared about one of his characters for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's fantastic in that. And that's a movie, just like you said, you can come into that movie at any time. And every single 10-minute part of that movie to me is fascinating, even the boring parts at the beginning when he's, like, going to his kids – parent-teacher conference and shit like I don't know that movie is one of my favorite Nolan movies um right it would be very very near the top of my Nolan list uh Interstellar is fantastic great sci-fi one of the rare you uh, a lot of people don't realize this Seth not a huge sci-fi fan but this is one of the few that I know you hold in high regard so that should say a lot uh, to folks who are wondering if Interstellar is any good um <clears throat> So you kicked you kicked Interstellar to number one. I also kicked a can up to number one. Uh, you had Wolf of Wall Street lower, uh, but I have it as my oh. top one. Ow, ow, indeed. Uh, now, this is not a Matthew McConaughey movie per se. He's kind of mm-hmm. a side-supporting character, which is, in three minutes of screen time, one of my favorite one of his roles. He is so slimy in the perfect way as the, like, the mentor uh you know ceo rich dickhead uh talking about how he needs to go to the bathroom and jerk off at work and pounding his chest and it was uh his role in that is awesome but that whole movie is fucking great dude like it's it's excess it's all the crazy like all the crazy party shit it's like the height of hubris it's money issues it scratches all my issues uh, absolutely, and 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 Your it's issues. and it's top notch. My issues, it's getting up my issues, and um, <laughs> it's also one of the best uh, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio performances that I that I've seen. So, uh, Wolf of Wall Street is just fucking stellar, man. I huh, I didn't even mean to do that, but that was a nice little pun. Yeah, I, nice, might be uh, giving yourself a little too much credit. Um, nice, nice, <laughs> nice. 69. <laughs> 69. 69. <laughs> there you go. I take requests. Yeah. <laughs> isn't that that was from, or is that from something else? Is that isn't that McConaughey? Um, the 69 thing is from Billy Madison. Ah, the okay, nice yeah. thing is from South Park. Okay, I was thinking that it was Days and Confused, maybe, but um, yeah, I don't know. Never mind. What, what was <laughs> was I gonna say? Something else. <laughs> You were going to talk about how good Wolf of Wall Street is. Ah, yeah. There we go. Um, no, I, I, you, I mean, you said it all, but it, it's... it's. Uh, I, I don't really, again, consider him... I don't consider this one of his movies, because like you said, he's in it for three fucking minutes. Right, so, right. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I kind of put my rankings based off of, you know, the movie he's actually, you know, the star of. But, yeah. I mean, if you want to keep cheating like that, that's cool. I, I will cheat whenever I'm given an opportunity. Uh, so close up the loopholes, buddy. Otherwise, you're going to get shit like this all the time. Uh, <laughs> McConaughey, man. I, I love that guy. He's one of those guys that is like Sam Jackson. Guy. Like Sam Jackson or Ryan Reynolds where it's like you can tell me that he's got a different name and this character is a different guy, but they're all just the same. It's, it's all just the actor, right? It's all just yeah. McConaughey doing something different. McConaughey in space or McConaughey on Wall Street or McConaughey fishing. as a, you know, fishing. Yeah. Oh god, don't don't remind me about that. Movie. I almost I almost put that I was surprised my... you didn't. 
I thought you might. <laughs> that movie is so bad, but I love it so dearly. I really want to watch it again sometime. Um, it's it's crept back into my consciousness, and I, I would like to see it again. Um, <laughs> but uh, at some point, I will. So McConaughey, obviously a long and great filmography, uh, but also with some really weirdly placed just total shit bombs. Um, so it's a very, very fun filmography to kind of look through. Let us know if we missed out on your top Matthew McConaughey movies. Uh, what, what, uh, what, Jesus, what we missed out on entirely, <laughs> what we ranked too low or too high. <laughs> um, but, uh, a lot of fun to be had with McConaughey and we will be reviewing his new one, The Gentleman, uh, on next week's show. So make sure you guys come back around for that. For now though, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. The show rolls on, and we just got done talking about Matthew McConaughey's film background. Let's talk about some other actors and actresses and their film backgrounds this week in the new segment, First Impressions. That don't impress me much. <laughs> All right. Yeah, uh, that's first funky. Impressions. It is funky, man. It's, it's got, I need to make it longer because I'm, I'm in here trying to get some dancing in before we got to introduce the segment. But... Um, we have first impressions. Seth has pulled a few actors off of uh, out of the list of actors that there are, and uh, basically my goal is to arrive at the first appearance, either on TV or in movies, of these actors. So a lot of fun. We'll dive into the background of some of our favorite actors and see where they got their start. So Seth, I understand I'll have a couple options to choose from. What have you got for me this week? Yeah, not a lot's coming out this week. Uh, we obviously know that the gentleman is coming out. Um, as well as a horror movie you mentioned, uh, The Turning. So, your options this week, because literally there's like not many options. Uh, literally, literally, literally. Um, literally? I, yeah, I actually just listened to a, a podcast today where they were talking about how that much they hate when people use literally, and it made me think of you because you hate it. Um, yeah, it's literally the worst. <laughs> but... Um, your options are Matthew McConaughey, of course, mm-hmm. um, Colin Farrell, and Ooh. Finn Wolfhard. Oh, um, I think I might know McConaughey's, but if I'm if I'm wrong with my one guess, I have no fucking clue. Um, I don't think there's any way I'm gonna get Colin Farrell. I don't even know how old that guy is. Finn Wolfhard. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'll say with Finn Wolfhard is it's not what you expect. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, if I if I it's not that. <laughs> If it's not that, I am clueless. Um, I'm going to go with McConaughey. I'm going to go with McConaughey because it's a very famous Hollywood story what his first film is. And I'm not going to be surprised if I'm wrong on this. But it's just kind of what everyone says. Was his actual first appearance dazed and confused? Don't be guessing already. Can I not guess? Okay, you got to give me hints? I give you other fucking clues, man. Calm down. Okay, well, give me some clues then. Jesus, I well, you just picked him like two seconds ago, and like, yes. <laughs> well, I guess that's gonna be my guess, regardless of the clues. But still, give me the, <laughs> still give me the clues. I want the clues. Jesus Lord. Well, his first technical appearance in something was a TV show. Oh, okay, okay. Let's see. It was in nineteen nineteen ninety two. Was oh, the shit. first, um, but. It's a show that had many episodes. So it's a show that ran for a long time. It's a popular TV show um, that I th- it might still be running or is definitely running in reruns. So there's a chance he, his first appearance ever could be seen currently. 
Um, it it is a show that is based off real life, but then they reenact stuff. So there's reenactments. That's where he first did it was reenactment. And I think it's usually thirty minutes. Could be an hour. I don't know though. A reenactment, huh? Oh, that's funny. Mm. You got any others, or can I guess? I'll say so. Did I, as I mentioned, there, there's a host. So there's one host. Okay. And and they talk about rein they talk about things, and then it's reenacted by said actor. <laughs> hmm. So you can guess if you'd like. That's all the clues I can give. Okay. Um, is it Dateline? No. <laughs> Shit. Um. Oh my God! Tell me it's America's Most Wanted. <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, it's, that would have been so great. <laughs> it's uh, Unsolved Mysteries. Oh, yeah. That show is on the fucking ID channel, Investigative Discovery channel all the time. It's lo- just that. That and Law & Order SVU. Well, it was like syndicated, though. So, like, they would have it on. They would have it at night and stuff, too. Um, yeah. They would have it, like, Unsolved Mysteries. Because I remember, Is that like, the one when, with the really creepy guy in, like, the yeah. business coat smoking a cigar? Like, deep <laughs> yeah. throat? Oh, yeah. Fuck. That's that, classic that one, stuff, man. That one always gave me the creeps, though, because I would wake up. Like, if I left the TV on or something accidentally and I fell asleep, and I, I'd, I'd wake up at, like, 2 or 3 or 4 in the morning or whatever, and it would be on. It would have that real ominous, like, you know, type music, and that dude yeah. would be fucking smoking a cigar, like, explaining how some guy got his fucking eye stabbed out through by his wife or something. Yeah. Like, when, when she walked in the door, he was holding a pencil, but he wasn't writing a note. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd like fade over to him getting ready to stab his wife in the eyeball with a pencil. Dude, that but, guy cre- that guy scared me more than all any of the fucking I know. murderers. Holy cow. I know. And uh uh McConaughey played Larry Dickens. That's the guy that oh, he reacted as. That's the guy that has that uh you know that popular drink, Dickens Cider? <laughs> no. You don't know about Dickens Cider? I'm gonna slap you. Oh man, it's delicious. Um, there's a uh, <laughs> there's a really funny old like super old YouTube video that's a commercial for Dickens cider, and it is. Oh I'll yeah, see if, I'll see if I can find it and link to it. But that's a funny one. <laughs> so um, he was he was in Dazed and Confused. That was his second movie um, in '93. So he was working pretty good. '92 uh, was the Unsolved Mysteries, and then uh, he was in he was played Walkaway Joe. And some 1992 video for Trisha Yearwood featuring Don Henley. Nice. And, I love Trisha Yearwood. Then he was in My Boyfriend's Back as guy number two in 93. And then finally Wooderson and Dazed and Confused. Man. Is that My Boyfriend's Back? Like the back belonging to my boyfriend or My Boyfriend Has Returned? Ooh, My Boyfriend's Back. Um, Let's see what the poster says. Johnny would give an arm and a leg to date Missy. Well, what maybe about a back? just an arm. <laughs> A comedy that pr- proves true love never dies. Oh, so he's back from the dead? This summer. Experience. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That probably is exactly how that commercial sounded. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Ooh, my boyfriend is back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking great, man. All right, so we have gotten to the bottom of it, or the back of it, I should say. Matthew McConaughey. His first appearance, Unsolved Mysteries in 1992. That's a good one. Um, come back every week where, not every week, but come back a lot of weeks when in this segment we dive in and we get to 
uh, your favorite actors and actresses first impressions that don't impress me Man, that is funky as hell. Man, I just fist, I fist pumped for like five seconds straight. I was doing that move where you move your shoulders and then you wobble your head back and forth. I was doing that one. I, had, Man, I don't think I know that one. I was feeling it. Let's enjoy that one just one more time. That don't impress me much. Man, that, we could just brings, listen to that for two hours. <laughs> that brings me back to when when you were living here, we would go to that country bar, Hazards, all the time. And they would play oh, stuff yeah. like that. Oof. Man, we shook a lot of ass to that song. <laughs> No doubt about it. <laughs> oh, man. A lot of country songs. That's fucking great, dude. That's I hate country. <laughs> I love it. I love it, man. But sometimes, you you know, you drink like 14 bush lights and you just go dance at a country bar. Yep. Yep. That was called life. When, uh, when in doubt, drink warm Coors Light out of a mason jar and dance your ass <laughs> off to some Shania Twain. <laughs> Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> Holy crap! That's that's exactly what we did. That that that's a perfect. That's like the tagline for hazards. <laughs> hazards Friday night <laughs> coming drink in wa- summer of 2020. Seth and Cody drink warm Coors Light and shake their ass off to Shania Twain. <laughs> Don't forget, there's a mason jar that you have to drink it out of. Oh yeah, and it, what's this? Oh, mason jars. And it's even more fun to clean up once someone, some drunk asshole inevitably drops it out of their hand. Yep. Oh, God. Because they would fill it all the way to the fucking top, so then it would just always leak over. And then people are, you know, drunk and grinding on each other and whatever. And then there goes a mason jar. And then everyone's fun's ruined. Yep. I love it. I love that country bar because it was full of those, like, those, like, tough country chicks that, like, would beat my ass if we got into a fight. (laughs) So I'm just getting like moshed pitted around this dance floor by girls who don't want to dance with me, just throwing me around like a fucking beach ball. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Lot yeah, of you were getting th- you were getting thrown in the air, and it, and your arms and legs are straight. It looked like a starfish flying through the sky. It's pretty cool. But yeah, exactly. That's what it was. Just getting manhandled by a bunch of hairy knuckled country women. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> hairy knuckles (laughs) oh i have no hate for those with hairy knuckles that's okay um and i actually quite like country women i i I don't mean to suggest that all country women are throwing me around i mean most most but not all um wow Uh, wow anyway before i get my ass beat by someone named debbie uh let's move on to our next segment (laughs) we're gonna go to this week's we missed the boat All right, it is my my turn. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at the thought of those country women beating me up. Um, it is my turn to do We Missed the Boat. This is where Seth and I have assigned each other movie homework. We each keep a running list of five films, and every other week one of us needs to watch and review a movie that we previously missed. So it was my week this week, and on Friday night I jumped into a time machine and I went back in time to the late 90s, and I watched Kevin Smith's Chasing Amy oh, wow. with Ben Affleck. And th- when I say I got into a time machine and got out in the late 90s, this movie is the most 90s thing I've ever fucking seen in my life. <laughs> and I don't know if it's just because I haven't watched a movie from the 90s in a while, but this is so 90s. Like, the hairstyles, the way they talk, the 
the way they move around, the way that it's shot, everything somehow looks like friends. Um, the, the, like <laughs> it was so nineties and it was, it was, it was a fun little nostalgia trip for me to remember what movies were like and what life apparently was like and TV and everything was like in that time. Uh, so that was the, that was the first thing for me. Uh, this is the story of Ben Affleck's character who falls in love with a woman only to find out that she is a lesbian. And so, uh, it's about what he does trying to get her to date him. And it's interesting because it is parts of this movie age really well and other parts not well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's an interesting situation to think about. And you see Kevin's, you know, Kevin Smith's writing a story about a guy trying to get with a lesbian. And you're like, oh, well, that's madcap. But it's, it's smarter than you think going in. Uh, there's some really interesting dialogue in here and some thought-provoking stuff. There's some stuff that is god-awful and it will not pass at all in 2020. But some of the stuff is actually really well thought out, more so than you would expect uh, from, you know, the Jay and Silent Bob guy. Uh, This, it's funny because you have Affleck and you have, uh, oh shit, his buddy. um, Jason Lee. Jason Lee, yeah. Uh, they have a really cool friendship. They, they work together on the comic books, which, oh, I never knew. I've seen Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back a hundred times. I didn't know that they, that was the character from Chasing Amy. Yeah. Yeah, and that the comic book had already been talked about. I didn't know any of that background from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of fun. But um, the, the friendship between those two guys was really fun to watch. You can tell how tight they are, and, and the way they talk to each other is kind of always entertaining. Um. The the main woman in this was a little bit grating for me. That was the biggest con I have about Chase Gamby is that woman has a real Joey Joey Lauren Adams. Yeah, was not did not add a lot for me. Um, She she has a lot of scenes where she's like in hysterics and she's yelling, and the way her voice sounds when she yells is super off putting to me, and it was distracting. (laughs) So, did you have a problem with her and Big Daddy at all? I I guess I don't I don't remember much of her from Big Daddy. I get I I know that that's the person, but I think she maybe she just has less. To, is she the main? She's yeah. is she the female lead in that? Yeah, she's Sonny's uh, the girl. How did I? Likes. How did I miss all that? I I never put together that that was the same person. Probably because I had never seen Chasing Amy, but I don't remember her bothering me as much in Big Daddy <laughs> as she did in Chasing Amy. There's some scenes where she's crying and she's like yeah. trying to get a point across to him, and it this the cadence. And the quality of her voice does, was bothering the shit out of me. She has always had a weird cadence. Um, yeah. I noticed it in Big Daddy, and then um, she, just, she just has an interesting voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you know that sound that someone's making when they're screaming, but and they're at the almost the end of their breath right before they have to breathe in again, where they're like, <laughs> right, right at the end of the point they're trying to make? And she, like, exists in just that <laughs> all the time. And she's doing so much of that in this. It was she. She got on my nerves, but um, <laughs> but other than that, this was Kevin Smith. I mean, if you're into Kevin Smith, it's fun to see. I learned Kevin Smith from all the movies that came after this, and so to see the early little sparks of the things that I know would grow into and become his signature shit uh, was pretty fun. So it was it was a nice little time capsule to go back in and enjoy. And, uh, yeah, not all of it holds up, but enough of it does to keep it uh, still entertaining in this. And it was very funny. Um, but be prepared if you guys are going to go watch this. Be prepared for a lot of homophobic uh, language in this. <laughs> and they play it. They're, they're kind of responsible with it in that the, the character who 
usually engages in that kind of language is, t- is reprimanded for it a few times. So it doesn't seem like, I don't know, it doesn't seem gratuitous because it seems like it has a point. Yeah. Um, so as long as you're willing to cringe through a couple of, of you know, slurs, uh, there's there's something to be enjoyed here. And it's pretty funny to watch Ben Affleck in this too. He's, he's, ben Affleck doesn't seem to belong in this movie um, for whatever reason, but he's entertaining enough in it and his, his goatee is hilarious. So you should watch <laughs> it just for the goatee and have a good time. And uh, in, in uh, Jan Silent Bob reboot, there's a nice little Chasing Amy sequel kind of buried in there too, which is which is cool. So um yeah, you'll you have to check out uh, that the Jane Silent Bob reboot that comes out on on uh, digital here, I think at the end of the month. Nice. Yeah, I am excited to see it. I I will I will say uh, two two more things about about the about chasing Amy. Uh, the title and the justification for the title seem completely silly to me. I, like when they tell you why the title is called Chasing Amy, I was like, what? That seems totally incongruous. That was a little weird. And then the climax of this movie is fucking strange. I had no idea where this movie was leading. Um, but when we got to sort of the big climax, I was like, what? This is what this movie ends up at? Um, and it, was, it wasn't it was necessarily a bad thing. It was just a, a surprise to me that the movie went where it went. Because you think, you think you know where it's going the whole way. And then where they arrive at is such a strange, different thing than what I expected. So that was kind of a fun little surprise. <laughs> so the, the, uh, the, at least the name of it, he addresses that in, in Reboot. Oh, he does? Yeah, so that's why nice. I'm saying there's a little bit of a sequel. So that's good. Uh, it, it's it's really the way they do that is super. That's one of my favorite things about reboot. I can't wait to watch that again. Actually, um, yeah, I'm excited to see it. But uh, yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm, I I couldn't remember how much of it. Like I've seen it, I think like two or three times maybe. So I don't remember a ton about this compared to the other Kevin Smith movies. Um, but uh, I couldn't remember how much it holds up because like I even went back and watched Clerks two a couple years ago. And there's a bunch of racial slurs in that movie, and, <laughs> and and I forgot about that. So I'm like, oh yeah, that that wouldn't fly yeah. uh, nowadays. But I will say, like though, he's in like reboot and everything. Probably since um, Clerks two, he's kind of moved on from a lot of that stuff. Even in like reboot, there's maybe one or two things where I kind of like went, ooh, that's not good. Um, but every like, there's no like no slurs no like you know like uh, especially like homophobic slurs even like a lot of that stuff is he's kind of changing it's 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 good that he's you know moved on with that um but also too like you look back um you know clerks chasing amy mall rats all that stuff and you can they have all those slurs and everything so does like all the quentin tarantino's movies and stuff like i, oh, I, yeah. I rewatch i rewatch reservoir dogs and there's white people saying the n-word everywhere in that movie <laughs> like mm-hmm. so you know it, it's 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 clearly like that's part of the time and it's not acceptable now. And we know like that's not good to do anymore. Um, but like that's a ton of stuff back in that time that people, especially like Quentin Tarantino stuff, people hold up in high regard um, yep. still with all that stuff in there. So I don't know if how much, especially seeing how people learn and change and stuff. I don't know how much you can really hold. I mean, obviously you can hold them accountable, but also be like, you know, this is, it's weird. It's a weird thing. Really yeah, for th- this one here seemed like and even in the even in the moments where I'm like, Ugh, you know, that feels strange to hear now. It it doesn't seem um, it doesn't seem hateful, really. It, it, it truly does. And I really hate I really hate 
using this this excuse or whatever but it seems like oh this is just how people talked then right you know right. and and the the where these characters are from and the type of people that these characters are to have existed in this time in this place they probably spoke like this and right. so this movie as much as any i've seen seems innocuous enough like obviously knowing who kevin smith is i know he's not full of hate right um but <laughs> It was interesting because you see, especially, like I said, I got familiar with him mostly after this. So to go back and see at the time, and I don't mean this necessarily to sound insulting, but a, a, a relatively immature filmmaker um, at a time when he was more immature. And so to know what he eventually grows into and to go look back at this as here's one of his early episodes. Like if we look back at our early episodes of the Soko show, like this is what he grew out of and you can see the parts that remain there and you can see where he still had maturing to do, not only just with language, but by his story structure and the way he builds a scene and his dialogue, you can see early versions of all the stuff that's great about him now in this. Mm -hmm. And so it's fun to go back and kind of see some of the early work of, of, of him um, and see, you know, what's different and what's the same. It's just a fun exercise to do really for any director, but especially with Smith because his style is so distinct or at least I'm so familiar with it from having watched them all with you. <laughs> but this was a this was a delight. This was a nice light Friday evening choice uh, for me to check out, and uh, yeah, this is a fun one. So I, I do recommend chasing Amy to the folks out there, uh, especially if you're trying to round out your your uh, your Kevin Smith filmography before you catch reboot like me when it drops on VOD soon. So Seth, that leaves me with only four films on my list. I need you to do some backfilling for me. What's next? Uh, Jane Silent Bob Reap. No. Um, <laughs> um, let's see here. You know what? Let's actually throw on another Kevin Smith movie. I'll put Mallrats on there for you. Okay, yeah. I like this because I do the Mallrats and I know Dogma is another one that I need to catch. Like some of the early Kevin Smith I'm interested in seeing, especially because it'll inform my enjoyment of Reboot. So I, I'm in favor of this. My list now consists not only of mall rats, but also Toy Story 3, Fighting With My Family. Oh, hold on. I just checked the wrong one. Here we go. Okay, so I've got mall rats, Toy Story 3, Fighting With My Family, Young Adult, and Loose. Uh, all of those ones that I'm excited about. I actually clicked on like a couple of these over the weekend, and then I was like, ah, I don't, I've already watched one. I want to save the list. So um, <laughs> uh, the list stays true. So those are my five for two weeks from now. But next week, Seth will be reviewing one from his list. What are your options right now? Uh, my options are Silence of the Lambs, V for Fendetta, The Game. The Game! Burn After Reading, and Catch Me If You Can. Oh, man. Those are all incredible films. You're, <laughs> you're a lucky man. You're a lucky man. You can't go wrong on that list. All right. So this week, Mallrats. You just made the list! There we go. And that's going to finish up this week's edition of We Missed the Boat. Oh, I'm on a boat, and You're going to need a bigger boat. All right. We move from the classic now that is Chasing Amy onto a current film. We talked about it a little bit earlier. We've got one film to do this week in reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. Seth, I think you summarized uh, my my point of view earlier in Mambo Number or in the January discussion in the movies area. Uh, Bad Boys is a film that gets dropped in the garbage dump of January, uh, based on a property we're, we're familiar with, and comparatively to what we're seeing around it, really works. 
this is a pleasant surprise. It comes out during a time when we don't expect much of movies, but generally speaking, I had a really nice time at this. And because of where it came out, I think it elevates. Uh, it's getting some really good reviews, and I really enjoyed it. What were your initial thoughts? Yeah, it definitely felt um, it was fun. It felt like a uh, '90s throwback action movie. Um, like I said earlier, it's with updated, you know, CGI and or not really CGI, but updated effects and a little bit updated music and and. Uh, you know, it had it. It actually, you know, they it it looked new while still looking like bad boys. They had that same kind of tint to it. It was yep. kind of cool. Um, you know, the, the your characters that you know are back. You know, I I've seen the other two, but I've maybe watched them like once, and I definitely have seen like bits and pieces of them. So I'm not like a, a huge fan, but I enjoyed them, and I I this one I enjoyed quite a bit. Um, I did really enjoy the. I mean, it's predictable as all hell, uh, especially yep. like w- with the whole like you know it from the trailer, but like Martin Lawrence is kind of, you know, uh, wanting to to bow out. He's he's not wanting to do this as much anymore, and Will Smith is still all about it. So um, they throw all that in there. There's kind of a dumb storyline that that they reveal towards the end that I didn't really like, but <laughs> yeah, I but agree. but you know, it, it is what it is. Like it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, there actually are a few like kind of sentimental moments when it comes to to uh will smith and and martin lawrence's characters but um no i th- i just think overall uh, it's fun it it's kind of like take you know what you're getting so just you know expect that and you get it and you have a good time and um you know it's, it's more brutal than i than i remember bad boys being at times like some of the shots like some of the, mm-hmm. the guns gun stuff um so you know there's a little bit of gore involved with this one but yeah, overall i think it was a fun fun time with the movies yeah, I think the, the highlight here, obviously, is Will Smith and Martin Lawrence's engagement with one another here because it's it's very different because these characters have aged, you know, 20 years since the last time or however, 15 at least, uh, since the last time we did this. And so you have to just kind of assume all the shit that happened in between then and now. But it's a lot of that old back and forth that they have with the added thing about Martin Lawrence kind of being uh, the old guy and wanting to bow out and stuff. And, and Will Smith is still the sexy badass that he always was. And, uh, there's a lot of jokes about them getting older, which is fun. There's a lot of jokes about the bad boys song, which to me was like, really guys, how much are we going to fucking talk about that song? Jesus. (laughs) Uh, and then they say one last time, one last time, like 40 fucking times in this movie. Like that, that could have been the alternate title of this. Would have been "Bad Boys One Last Time" because it's the most, oh, most commonly repeated uh, piece of dialogue. What are you dudin' for? That's gonna be the title of the last one. This next one, I bet. Bad Boys One Last Time. Or we ride together, we die together. Either it's go. that, yeah. The, it's either that. Either it's uh, one last time, or we ride together, we die together, and someone will die. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So you got to be ready for some heavy cheese, some heavy nostalgia. But I like this. I like this like old guys. They're kind of reflecting back on their careers and stuff. Those, there's some fun moments in there, some fun sentiment. But you're right. This is not going to blow you away in any manner of speaking. But it's a big, dumb, loud action movie with some pretty cool characters. And there is, I promise you, no less than 40 minutes worth of slow-mo shots of people getting out of cars. So it is everything you would want in an action movie uh, a Michael I don't know if Michael Bay was actually involved but it looks like he shot this himself um, but it's bad boys if you like bad boys you're gonna dig it that's pretty much all we have to say to you um, but it was enjoyable I don't, I don't think Michael Bay did, had he might have been a producer or something on it but he was in it he was actually in the movie for a bit for a bit um, oh that's funny he was a 
teacher or something. I don't remember what he was actually, but I remember seeing it in the in the in the uh, credits. I saw that it said um, Michael Bay uh, next to some like it wasn't like a they didn't even have like a name. It was like you know this guy like cashier or some shit like that. Oh, but, nice. Yeah, nice. He was in it for a minute. In it yeah. for a minute. In it for a minute. Sounds like the story of Seth's sex life. Holy cow! Ding <laughs> Whoa. I was a burner. Um, <laughs> watch out. Hello. Woo. Yikes. That's awesome, bud. All right. Let's move on. You're fucking okay or what? Woo. Ouch. Yowza. Boo. 69. 69. <laughs> Yikes. Holy. Ca- I'm practicing my reactions to things. Do you think those all sound good? Those, uh, I don't know what the fuck that was, to be completely honest. <laughs> Sorry about all that. I just had some sort of episode. Uh, <laughs> um, anyway, Bad Boys for Life gets a recommendation from both Seth and I. High scores, I think, in the 70s I saw on Rotten Tomatoes, so people are enjoying this one. Uh, and it's making quite a bit of money. I think potentially even set some records over the long weekend for MLK weekend. So really fun one to go see. Check out Will Smith and Martin Lawrence in bad boys for life in theaters now. And it seems strange because of how things have gone lately, but that's our only review. We've only got one, which seems so weird. Um, but, uh, bad boys getting the thumbs up from Seth and I in reviews. Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. All right. You bunch of jamokes. We're just about done talking at you. But before we round out this show, we got to give you one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right. I, I, I'm not certain I haven't talked about this before, but I want to give a shout out to a, uh, a YouTube series or a YouTube playlist that I really like called Pitch Meetings. Um, and this is a, it's in the vein of like a CinemaSins or an Honest Trailers where it's like a, it's a, uh, like a satirical look at a film that's going to kind of pick apart the stupid things about it. And it's a uh, comedian named Ryan George and uh, Screen Rant put these, puts these out. And I'll link to the playlist in, in the description box. Um, and Ryan plays two characters. One is a screenwriter who's pitching a script to a studio executive. And the other guy is a studio executive. And it's shot like, uh, you know, he reads for both characters. So it's like a quick cutting back and forth between the two characters talking to each other. And they're just totally cutting up all these popular movies. They do most of the MCU, a lot of the popular big Disney releases, some classics. And it's fun. They've got some like some catchphrases in there that are really fun. So they've got a nice rhythm to the show that you can get used to. And there's some really funny, just little stupid things you never would have thought about that like at some point it seems like this had to have come up in a pitch meeting. So those are really funny. I've really enjoyed watching those and there's like a hundred of them. Um, on YouTube. So I'm going to link to that pitch meetings uh, for folks who like any of that other satirical film review kind of stuff. Uh, very enjoyable. Uh, it's, I've been, I've been, I've lost hours of my life just watching these. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you. <laughs> I think my one more thing will be, so I, I've kind of gotten back into the VR quite a bit lately and I've been finding some fun gems. Uh, a couple that I've gotten, since I think I, the last time I've spoken about the VR, one of them is a really sweet boxing game. Have, have you had a chance? I, I've mentioned this to you. Have you have you had a chance to check this one out yet? No, I haven't. And I have I have just a crazy long list now of recommended VR games, and I, I need to I need to like dive way back into my Oculus to get yeah. some of this stuff in because I'm so behind. Yeah. Well, I, the nice thing about VR games is that they're they're relatively cheap. Um, 
you know, like I said, this boxing one was only 10 bucks, and it's, it's like real-life fucking boxing. And uh, what I mean by that is there's no stamina bar. There's no, like, health bar. You will get, like, knocked out if you don't protect yourself and stuff like that, but there's no, like, health bar to, to like, show you where you're at or anything like that. So um, the, the stamina bar is essentially your own, you know, stamina. If you, you know, you can – it's a five-minute round, so – or three-minute round like actual boxing is. But, um, you know, actually – when you hit someone, you know, you have to use force because it tracks your force, tracks the type of punch you're throwing, whether it's a right hook, right cross, you know, left jab or whatever. It shows all the, the punches you're, you're throwing. It tracks it. Um, and then, like, it'll start, like, making the your opponent bleed out of certain areas that you've been hitting them or if you've been hitting them, hit them in the stomach. It'll make it all red and stuff like you're actually fighting. So it's really crazy. It's You don't realize how, you know, if, you're, if you get sucked into it, uh, you don't realize how into it you are and like you're actually trying to fucking hit this person and like how satisfying it is when you finally knock them down <laughs> uh, it's 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 really interesting and, and like yeah it, it'll leave you like those they give you a minute after each round too, like by like actual boxing to to kind of like recover and because you need it like if you do a couple rounds after like that second round throwing those punches like crazy it, it works you out so um it's it's really cool i i love it i love playing it it's like a workout in the mornings for me now um, and then another one I got recently is called Pistol Whip, which is like uh, basically it's like John Wick, uh, which is pretty sweet. Um, you have a you get a pistol and it goes with like a like tracks of music essentially, like a lot of EDM type stuff. Um, so like you're it, it kind of brings opponents out based off of the song. So if you shoot them in the right rhythm, you get extra points or whatever. But you're not you don't have to. Like it's not like Guitar Hero where like if you miss certain you know. Uh, people then you lose it's you get two shots is basically the whole level of losing so you can get shot once and then again um and then you're done but then you can also like get your health back by shooting of opponents shooting the people so uh, it's not like realistic looking people it's kind of like blocky almost like a super hot if you've seen that um but it, it is really really cool you have all kinds of different guns you can customize and you can customize the sound and all that stuff and it is fun to shoot along with the beat and try and you know match the beat and stuff so but then, like, the, everything is, like, real stylized and it looks like you're playing, like, you're John Wick with this fucking handgun just going down crowds of people. So, it's really cool. Um, a lot of fun stuff on VR. I know there's more and more stuff coming because the Quest, I, I know, is Oculus is, like, basically it's, like, their PlayStation right now. It's, like, that. that's that's what the most consumers who want to get a good experience of VR get. Um, otherwise, it gets, like, really, really expensive um, the higher you go and, or you don't get enough with the low, lower you go. So, it's kind of, like, the perfect spot. It costs the same amount as a normal console. And, uh, it, it's, it has, you can do almost anything on it. So it's really cool. I, I, I really love that thing. It's been, I've gone a while without buying a lot of other games and now that I'm kind of getting into it and trying different games out that look cool, I'm having a lot more fun with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the fun thing about those. And the quest is the perfect place. If you're trying to get into VR and it's a little bit of an investment, but it's the best you're going to get right now in terms of user experience, quality of games, and price, like, it, it's highly recommends both from both of us, and you can just get a game for 10 or 20 bucks and just try it for a while, and it doesn't have that, you know, $60 game pressure to play through it all that other games have, so this is a blast, and like yep. you said, you might not even realize you're getting a really nice workout with some of these games. I sweat my ass off playing Beat Saber all the time, and <laughs> this is, uh, it's a fun way for, for folks who uh, are looking for something new. Oculus VR is a, definitely a great place to go. So check out some VR or check out some pitch meetings on YouTube this week from One More Thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. All right, you bunch of bastards. That's going to do it for episode 128 of the SoCo Show, our 16th anniversary. 
very happy. Thank you guys for keeping us going through 16 Octiversaries. Uh, I want to give a shout out to our contributors, of course, uh, Mike V, Jared B, and Fuck You. Appreciate all your guys' help with the podcast. And also all the listeners out there, if you're not a contributor, uh, just keep listening to these episodes. Keep sharing them with friends. Every bit helps. And uh, also make sure you're checking out our sponsors and links to several of the stories we covered today in the description box. Make sure you're checking them out. Uh, be sure you're subscribed wherever it is you get your podcast. New episodes of this show every Thursday and of the sports show on Fridays talking about the NFL and uh, looking at Super Bowl previews, actually, most recently. So make sure you're checking that out. Also, I, earlier tonight, just uh, recorded an episode of Movies and Nonsense with... At Jared Buckendall. Which uh, you're going to want to check out. I think that's going to drop this coming Monday, the 27th. Uh, so check that out over on his YouTube channel at Buck Studios. Also, uh, you can look at the backlog. Seth did an episode not long ago of Movies and Nonsense that I think may be a Patreon exclusive. So And my, mine might be as well. Okay, yeah. So the, some of those are Patreon exclusive. So make sure you're a Patreon contributor to J Buck Studios. Uh, they're putting out a lot of great shit over there. So movies and nonsense, all sorts of great stuff. Uh, if you don't get sick and tired of hearing our voices on this, plenty of other opportunities to hear them. So um, yeah, you can find us wherever you want. Anyways, again, that's going to wrap it up for episode 128. He is the so host, Seth Ott. I'm the co host, Cody Michael. And we will see you next week. Bye.